Hello and welcome to Life at Your Rainbow Podcast. I'm your host, Will Venus, and this week's episode is another fabulous one. I had the pleasure of sitting down with two comedy geniuses. They're known to me as Alan Gibbons and Jamie Honeybourne, known to their fans as the creatives behind the incredible characters on their YouTube and live shows, The Isolation Creations. We chatted about how they met, how their amazing channel was formed, and a whole lot more. So, without further delay, here's the interview. I know you're going to absolutely love it. Enjoy. Isolation Creations legends that are Alan Gibbons and Jamie Honeybourne. Welcome to the podcast. How are you both? Hi, my love. Thanks for having us. You two, it's been easier trying to pinpoint our government's motives and trying to pinpoint an appointment with you two. Well, it's I'm I'm back at work now. Obviously, the isolation creations began during isolation, so I was at home all the time. But now I'm jet set Jamie again, so I'm uh, yeah I'm here, there, and everywhere at the moment. Yeah, uh, I mean I think for all of us with the, the pandemic and things, getting used to being on our own, and then that being the new normality, and then getting back to the new normal, if that makes sense, it's been quite an adjustment for everyone. Yeah, the next normal. Then there'll be another one soon. Whoever knows oh. what that will be. AI. That's where we're all heading, isn't it? Oh, no. I, I, we can't have the robots taken over. We just can't. <laughs> Can you imagine an AI Sherry Stump? No. That would never happen. <laughs> no, that would never work. Never. No. Yeah, yeah the, the, the characters just have to have the geniuses behind them. I saw a video um, on Facebook, maybe yesterday, and it was a guy asked AI, is it ChatGPT, isn't it, to write a Victoria Wood monologue. And then he and he read it out, and it's kind of Victoria Woodish, like the right words and stuff are in there, but it just wasn't funny at all. So I think us comedy people. No, I think safe. um, I think uh, my partner he uses uh, AI things to. Is it like they do like um, like scripts and things that come up like generated, but it, it, they just make no sense. Yeah, and there's no, no humour um, behind them either. They've not got. Uh, there's no. Hopefully, for me and my work, and for us and our work. It doesn't get emotion. That's the one thing. It's not... It's like I teach people about emotional intelligence and AI, mm-hmm. I don't think, can ever have EQ. It can have no. IQ, but not EQ. And I'm Definitely old school, not. so I'll sit down with a pen and paper. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff, yeah, I think... Scribble things out and then I'll put it onto a Word document or something like that. I don't know if I remember how to write with a pen now. Yeah, write out in rough and then type it up. Yeah, so um, what I wanted to ask you first was, um, I mean, you're both famous for your various character creations but I personally love love and I would love to know how you guys got together if that's all right to ask what uh, us as a couple yeah well it's going back so long we don't know how old the Venuses are but we've been (laughs) together 26 years wow 26 years probably around like now yeah, yeah, right. Twenty six years, August nineteen ninety seven, we got together, and we we uh, both got a job at um, a museum in London on the South Bank, which was called Museum of the Moving Images, and they used to use actors in various parts of the museum, mm-hmm. um, and both both me and Jamie and another ten ten or twelve people, yeah, were employed as these actors to kind we... of bring the exhibits to life, and we were on the same shift, weren't we? Yeah, and. Um, we sort of we oh, we got together then, didn't it? Didn't yeah, we, we didn't, just got. Do you know it was really weird? We got chatting about all sorts of rubbish as you do when you start a new job with people, and um, the weirdest thing happened. I mentioned that my friend's mum once almost got engaged to Windsor Davis. Do you know who Windsor Davis is? 
No. So he's an actor, uh, like a comedy actor from the 80s, and he was in... Like Never the Twain. Um, it ain't our fault, yeah, Mum. Yeah. Okay. Got a big moustache, quite a sort of loud, like an icon of the 80s. So I said, my friend's mum once got, got engaged to Windsor Davis. And Alan said, oh, that's weird. My friend's mum once got engaged to Windsor Davis. And so we thought, oh, maybe it's just an urban myth. But then we worked out that my best friend at school, Andy Wilde, his big brother was Alan's best friend at university. Oh. So we were destined to meet somewhere. The stars were aligning. And, and Jamie made me a mixtape. <laughs> at the end of the first week we met. So I thought, that's really nice of him. Do you remember oh, mixtapes? Um, is that like making up your own tapes? Yeah. Yeah, you like yeah. record songs like tape to tape and then you give, give a little tape which you've like doodled on and it's got little oh. love songs or whatever on there. What, can you remember what songs were on it? It was a Shirley Bassey concert <laughs> that he took off the radio and put it together for me on this tape and he put a little picture of Shirley on the, on the cassette cover and he, so he courted me with a mixtape, didn't he? I didn't oh, remember I love that. that. Yeah. Bless us. We're so so was, it, was it like love at first sight for you both or did it take um, a while? It took a while, didn't it? It took a while. We were best. We were like, we just got on really well. And I was really cautious because I thought, well, we're working together for about another sort of four months. And um, I sort of didn't want to sort of go into a relationship and it all go wrong. And then me having to sort of face Jamie every day at work. And, you know, so we, were, we, were, we weren't as close during the work contract. And then I started temping after this job had finished. And I had a horrible day. And I thought, what do I need to do? I need to, I need to contact Jamie and see him. Did you? And I was working at the Swatch shop there. I was Doctor Swatch in Covent Garden, fixing people's uh, watches, Swiss watches. And uh, yeah, I went and met Alan in my little Swatch T-shirt. And um, so on that day, I thought, I really need to see Jamie, and that really, really made it um, definite that he was a big part of my life. But we, um, I think, on our, on our first. Not first date. Like, for one of the first proper dates, Alan said to me, I think you better go and buy a toothbrush. Oh, didn't that sound awful? <laughs> hey! Cheeky cow! I'm gonna Sounds let the dog awful, in. doesn't it? I'm letting the dog in because she's being annoying. I meant, yeah, as sure. in, he can keep his toothbrush at my place, not like... He didn't. He meant I pulled. Not that he had a breath like that. But I, thought, I said, you know, if you want to bring toothbrush... Oh, yeah, not that. Not that I had bad breath. He just meant that, you know... I was going to stay yeah. over the night. Oh, I love that. And you, you said, um, I mean, we, we, both, we both know that you're both actors. Did, is that something that you always wanted to do, both of you? Like, you always thought, I want to perform? Yeah, I was at, when I was at school, I was really little. I was short. So I was, oh, I, me too. I wasn't, I wasn't bullied. Still am. But people used to laugh at me, so we're a little short ass and all this. And um, these boys once asked me to be in a play, and I didn't really know them. And they wanted me because I was small, because I was, I was playing an alien who landed in a dustbin. So they needed somebody at, at school who's small enough to go in the dustbin. And obviously I was the right size, so I agreed. And they painted me with, like, poster paint, green, uh, a bit like grot bags. And then um, on the day we performed this to the whole school, people were going, oh, you were funny. I did a funny little alien voice and all this. And I thought, oh, this performing lark's quite, quite good, really, because... Um, people are nice to you and um, I've suddenly got friends that I didn't have before so I sort of f fell in love with performing like that really 
And, you know, it sort of changed my life at school. I um, I always I always wanted to do it at, at, since primary school, um, and I was I was a little bit of a boy genius. <laughs> What's that sound like? <laughs> now I entered a I entered a big nationwide competition on a Saturday morning television show hosted by Sandy Toxvig called Number Seventy Three, and this is about the age of ten, and I won, and I went off to San Francisco. Um, to make a little movie about a boy detective. So I became kind of a boy detective on this Saturday morning TV show. And um, that just, for me, like it was amazing. To do that at that age was amazing for a little boy from Liverpool. And so that kind of got my excitement for kind of being in front of the camera and stuff. And then as I got older at school, I kind of learned that, I learned more about acting as a, like a craft and I really then enjoyed it and um, enjoyed kind of bringing characters to life and um, and making people like an audience kind of feel differently. So leave like an hour, 20 minutes, half an hour, but leave feeling in a very different way than when they got in there without and sounding all And also from a very young age, I learned that um, being somebody else is quite nice. Mm. You know, you're not yourself. You're somebody else. You're putting on a mask. You're being, you know, being a funny character. Um, and I quite like, quite like that. I like being different people. What I've learned, I mean, this is contrary to what you're saying there, but I've, I think, really good acting though is about taking off the mask and revealing like who you really are, revealing some truth. You find mm. your truth in that character, and then you can really bring the character like to three dimensional sort of life. I mean, so I know it's that quite cathartic in a way. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know that there's like um, different types of things that actors do, but I mean, do you, when you're playing characters, do you kind of put elements of yourself into the role? Yeah, there's also yeah. sometimes you, it's yourself, and sometimes it's people you know, or it's people you 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 remember from years ago, or your gran, or your. I I like I look at as you know I like a lot of old lady characters, and they're all like <laughs> elements of when my I used to hang around with my gran or my mum. And the people they knew, you know, living on a council estate is oh, it's like a, a smorgasbord of yeah, yeah, women who are just strong and you know, have got these um, these opinions and especially like you know northern northern council estates, um, mm-hmm. and they're just so there are aspects of all these different characters coming to into my characters. I think. Yeah, I mean, what you're describing there, it sounds quite similar to something that, uh, you know, the creator of Corrie, Tony Warren, described when he was creating the show. Uh, he kind of watched all the women in his life and then based characters loosely and sometimes tightly around them. Yeah, because you and sat I, there. I find that fascinating. You told to be quiet by your parents, so you just switch on and listen to what's going on. All the, yeah, you you're, you're told to be, to be seen and not heard. Uh, for people that ask, don't get, uh, remember that one. I, I think yeah. I always bring a little bit of me to the role. And I have to, like, find me in the role. And I've played, like, weird characters. I've played really, like, odd bots. So I've played a serial killer, a real-life serial killer. Which um, one? In a, in a play called Spoken in Darkness. And that was this American serial killer who was killing prostitutes. And, like, weirdly enough, I had to find myself in the role to make it work so what I found was my kind of like 
irritation and annoyance when things aren't in order. So I need things to be like ordered and tidied and ordered, like a bit of mm-hmm. a Virgo trait. Keep it all tidy. <laughs> so I, if I could hook into that, what I justified was that he was killing pe- killing these prostitutes because he was looking for order and cleanliness, okay. and they were sort of breaking his brain around what was ordered and what was right and so it's like finding those little weird bits of you that you're able to then bring some reality to the role i played a stalker as well um this is difficult for me to imagine because i i know what you're like and you're nothing compared to a serial killer or a stalker (laughs) i know it's finding those little weird bits so again that was um i played agnetta's stalker agnetta from abos the blonde she had a a very famous stalker. There's a film just come out on Netflix or Prime, mm. Amazon Prime, all about him. And I played him in a movie about ABBA. And um, again, it was about finding some sort of truth in me. And that was my kind of, to find the things that I get obsessed with and passionate about. And um, I'm a big old romantic, really. So what I did with that character was kind of justified his kind of childlike belief that they were in love, him and Agneta. Like, you know, we're in love. Everyone else is trying to break us up. And so it's that sort of the the helpless romantic in me. I, I sort of channeled that bit. Yeah, is it a bit like trying to search for that, just that one redeemable feature? Yeah, because if, if you play a baddie in something, you have to like your character. You can't yeah. hate yeah. it because then it becomes just a, like a pantomime of a character yeah. and no one would believe it. So it's um, yeah, yeah, it's weird sometimes. Yeah, if you if your character believes it, um, and then it, not only does it give give the audience a, a an original uh, character because it's you know it's, it's from you, but also they end up believing it, don't they? Or they yeah. they'll go along with whatever your whatever you've decided with that character. Especially on screen because it's all in the eyes on screen, and you can kind yeah. of tell if someone's lying in their eyes. You can you can see like a vacancy in the eyes. Again, artificial intelligence will never get that. <laughs> Alan, is there, a, is, there a, is there a favourite particular type of role that you love to play? Um, I played Richard III at college, which was um, quite a mammoth thing you know, before when they gave me the part. I was like, oh, wow. And they, um, to, to make it fair, the, um, the tutor decided that the character, Richard III, was going to be split up amongst some students you know, to make it fair. And um, the more we got into performing it and workshopping it it wasn't working and um, in the end I just sort of did it myself really so these other characters sort of they had the odd odd line but they sort of like decided to sort of not diminish themselves but it didn't work out and they we we decided at the end that you know we'll just have one main Richard III and um, you know he's like disfigured king and everything with a hump and all this so it was a lot to take on and there was a great book by Anthony Sher called Year of the King, so I read that, and that was amazing. So, as Jamie said, you bring, you bring some of your own self to the part, but also mm-hmm. you've got to, like, research and, you know... Because this guy was a real person, wasn't he? So Is that, that the one they found part. in the car park? He was, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he remained found in the car park. Like Dirty Den. <laughs> yeah, it was great, and, um, you know, it got me good good grade that term, so I was well pleased. Excellent. Have you ever done any acting on stage, Will? Only in my mind. I would love to do some acting. Uh, I find sometimes if I create like a character in my mind, it helps me to kind of deflect what's going on in my real life. And 
but yeah, I would love to do some performances, but I have no when, idea how you would do when it. When you design your, your, your makeup looks, do, do, mm-hmm. do they become like a bit of a character to you? Um, not really. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I just I play with makeup because I love playing with colour. Colour, it really fascinates me and it really soothes me as well. And um, yeah, I think it's like an autistic thing. I, I just have a fascination with colours because when I step into a room, colour and smell will be the first things I notice. I'll not notice the people. It'll be a colour I notice. Because I ask that because we're, we're quite new to all this putting on makeup and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I put a certain look together, um, it helps me with, with the character I'm playing. Like with okay. Sherry, I wanted some really bizarre like makeup. So that's why she got like pink and blue eyelids. Because <laughs> she probably couldn't decide what colour. So she, she did both. Um, and it sort of helps, doesn't it? Yeah, if it I does. Do, it helps. Yeah, it does. And I, I know on one of your videos, well, when you did um, Tanya, Tanya Tucker's makeup. Turner. Tanya Turner's makeup. Makeup from footballers' wives. Oh, I love that character. There is like a little when you've got it on full. There is something that changes in those yeah, eyes. Yeah, there's a little spark, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, there's there is. a really quoted I've, I've, her as well. I've not noticed, but I mean, there, I mean, there has been times when I've used her character traits to maybe fend off people that I don't like. Same uh, with um, Alexis, Alexis Carrington. I've done that. I've yes, thought, she doesn't have time for the dead or the doll. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> yeah, or sometimes when back in the day when I used to wear wigs when I had hair loss, that it kind of is a bit like a, I think they call it a confidence cloak, and it would be a bit like a a pretend confident version of me. But I don't really need wigs and things no more because it took a while. I, but I just worked on my confidence. Mm. And talking of characters, we have to discuss what happened through lockdown. All of your creations. Yeah, it was um, it was a strange time for us, wasn't it? Because uh, it was a strange norm- time for everyone. Normally, being really busy, and then suddenly you're told there'll be no more auditions, there'll be no more performing until, you know, until I don't know whenever. And um, we were sort of stumped for a bit, weren't we? Stumped. Um, <laughs> and then we just decided one day that um, we'd be a bit creative and you know make use of other time. And we were doing a friend's um, quiz, weren't we? Uh, like yeah. a little quiz every week, and one of the one of the rounds was um, take a photograph of you dressed up dressed as... up as a favorite program or film, and everyone else could guess what you were dressed up as. And we did the Lion King, uh, Tiger no, King. I always say Lion King, don't I? Tiger, Tiger King, King, that sort of Netflix documentary that everyone was watching at the start of lockdown with Carol Baskin and uh, Joe Exotic, and we dressed up as them. And... So it was a bit of a treasure hunt, running around the house finding things that we could use. Obviously, the shops were shut. We had, yeah. like, a few wigs then. Um, and then uh, we, we did it. And then we obviously put it online and people saw it. And people go, oh, we'll do another one, do another well, one. Well, you had the idea to do one a day, didn't you? Just yeah. Said, Let's do one a day until lockdown finishes. And we thought lockdown, you know, then you think, well, that yeah. might be about a month. Um, <laughs> but it ended up being, <laughs> what, three or four months. So we, you know, we were doing all sorts, weren't we? And we did do one a day. Yeah, we did. We did that loads. whole first lockdown. And the the strange thing was, is our friends decided to sort of, well, they sort of dropped off. Like I'm not saying they were bored, but um, not during that initial lockdown. No, not. But they were sharing it, and then we started getting like comments and messages from people we didn't know. We got shared, and they were few, sharing it. We got shared on a few groups, didn't we? Yeah. Which then started us sort of becoming a bit viral. Um, so we got shared on, there was a group in Australia where people were taking their bins out in fancy dress 
because okay. it was the only time you'd get to put on like your best bib and tucker was to take your bins out. So people were doing that. So we got shared on that and that sort of set us alight. And then we got um, a news article on Fox News in America about us and that kind of blew us up a bit. Wow, and then that's incredible. We, and then we were invited on to Zoe Ball's Strictly Come Dancing show on BBC Two. Still thought that first year of lockdown and we did a spoof of Zoe. And so all these little things, suddenly we it just got bigger and bigger than we ever thought it would, didn't it? And we were getting messages from people who... Uh were either suffering with the COVID or people that were working with it, like the NHS, and they're mm-hmm. going, oh, it's such a relief to get home and, you know, I look forward to seeing what you've done today or, you know, you brought a smile to my face. And, and we were it like, must oh, be wow, a wonderful feeling to be able to do that for people. Yeah, and we were like, oh, wow, that's nice that, you know, we're being appreciated that way. And Yeah, we still get messages to this day from people saying... They were saying, please continue, don't stop, don't stop, and we look forward to tomorrow's and the day after and all those. It was, it was really... And... and in a strange way, like we loved lockdown because of that. So we kind of miss lockdown, don't we, because of that? <laughs> because we were, after, you know, about at least 15 years of not being together 24-7, because I I work abroad so much. It was just lovely to be back with Alan and to be doing something together that we loved again because you know we've not done that for a long time not one yeah for um so it's just really it was really good for our relationship wasn't it and, yeah and um, we, we've been creative and i was making things out of gaffer tape and bits of card or you know anything you could find and yeah. i was being creative like technically because i didn't know half of how to edit together videos or photographs or anything at that point point. and yeah did you we, find um, the, the the video editing things easy or a bit of a difficult one like i did not, like at the start, not. No. But now I'm, I'm good at it, and you can see it in the quality of the videos we've made. If you go back to kind of our first videos that we made, which was maybe uh, like heart to heart or the friends theme, you know, where friends are jumping around in the garden and stuff, with you know, Lisa Kudrow and all of them ones. We did that. But you can see the editing there is not as good as where we've got to now. And some of the footage was blurred because we didn't really check it. Yeah, but I'd been, um, um, I'd done a bit of editing before that because I'd done some acting show reels and stuff. So I kind of understood like the process of editing. But we, we've got much better with it now. Yeah, I mean, is there like a, a process that both of you have for, you know, like choosing the characters that make the cut? Or is it just a case of, I really like doing that and we're just going to roll with it? Depends what we're depends what we're doing. If we're doing a pastiche of a TV show, um, we'll write down kind of the main characters and then some maybe supporting characters that we want to include. Alan will tend to kind of divvy them up between us, unless there's someone that I really like want to play. I'll say, oh no, I really want to play that part. Um, but Alan will tend to sort of divvy them up nice and evenly. Um, and then you kind of write a little, like some ideas of what they're going to be and things like that. And um, yeah, we, so I'll, I'll go off and I'll start putting costumes together or props. And you're sort of quite good at um, writing down scripts, aren't you? Yeah, I'll write down, like, I'll get all, like, this is the Jamie wants to be organised thing again. I'll write down, like, the shooting order. So I'll work out where the camera's going to be, what room, because we do it all still in the house and garden, like, what room it's going to be in first. So what characters need to be there, like what makeup we're going to be wearing so we're not constantly wiping off makeup and putting new ones on. We can go from like who's 
got the least makeup on to who's got the most so we can sort of build up makeup. So I'll do all that up here, write a shooting schedule. We tend to shoot everything in one day. Yeah. And then we tend to edit everything in one One day, day, wow. Yeah. So everything's shot in one day and then the next day is when we edit it. It tends to be Saturday shooting, Sunday edit. But sometimes we, we, we uh, film for more than one day. Like if we're doing like a musical medley or Eurovision when we've got like 20 characters, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll spread that out over like two days, won't we? Yeah, because that we need we wow. need to learn songs and then lip sync them for that, and that's again. Well, that is. I mean, I know some of what goes into video editing. That is a lot. You must absolutely. It's fun though, it. it's exciting and fun. We st- we're still having fun with it. If it ever became like a chore, we we'd stop doing it because we don't make any money from it. So if it became annoying, if it became annoying and a chore, then I think we'd just stop doing well, it. Well, to be honest with you, we were just just after lockdown finished and we were going back into normal life. We were getting people worried. They were worried about us, saying, please don't stop. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, life's becoming normal now, but please don't stop. Please continue. We don't, we don't want you to leave. No. And this, year, this year we've made less, you know, and it'll head in that direction that we'll make less. But we're still going to make stuff. We just need to make, when we do make it, make good quality stuff now. Yeah. So, I mean, and we're if... making more of our own stuff, writing our own characters and things like that, which we're having a lot of fun with doing. Who, who are your favourite characters to play at the moment? Sherry, Sherry mine at the doing. moment. One of mine is um, Pam Pie. <laughs> Can you see it? I love because that. She's, honestly, it takes about thirty seconds to become her, and and yeah, again, that's from somebody I saw online do that. So it's all based on you. You must have seen those sort of videos. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Where people are just unpacking their shopping for the camera, and they're mm-hmm. kind of like addictive, aren't they? But we found this couple who would do, who would try and get the camera to focus on the item. They'd both cover their faces. <laughs> so they hold an item and then cover the face because the camera wanted to focus on their face. And it just made us laugh. So we incorporated that in it. And I, and then, you know, you get these ideas like in the middle of the night, you wake up and go, wow. Mm, yeah. I had this idea that the character that was going to do this before she was called Pam Pie, I wanted her to be a little bit aggressive. Because right. she didn't believe people were yeah, looking like, at it. People aren't looking at it. Just look at it. <laughs> look at the effort I've made into getting this and putting it in front. Just look at it. Are they looking at it? And I wanted that to come across. Um, and it does, doesn't it? It does. My, fav- my favourite characters are um, really kind of lovable but thick. <laughs> so people <laughs> like Brandy Cobbler. I love playing Brandy. Um, and I love playing Tamsin, who was the weather girl that we used to do. Mm-hmm. And I I love playing Suki Plongere, who's the host of the QVC Shopping Network, mm-hmm. whose whole backstory is a footballer's wife. Um, but I like playing those characters who are a little bit thick, so they talk in a way that is using sometimes the wrong words is when they speak. So I like playing that, or you know, or Brandy, who's you know, there's nothing up there, but there's lots down there. <laughs> I love that. And of course, um, anyone listening, if you want to check out the, um, what we're talking about, your channel will be linked in the, the show notes. Everyone needs to go and check it out. You both are hilarious. Um, oh, and so you, like things come out of lockdown and things. So how did, I mean, did you decide to take the shows out to the public or was that asked of you? Um, we were nervous about doing it for a long we time were. because we're kind of, we're shot from the waist up. 
Always. <laughs> so you never saw our legs or feet. Um, and in Scarborough, we're, we're, we've we've become really good friends with a couple of guys, Martin and Stephen, who, um, who run the cafe that we've performed in. And they've been really championing us and, you know, supporting us. And they were saying, God, you need to, you know, you need to do some live stuff. People would enjoy seeing you. And we were like, oh, are you, are you sure? Are you sure? And then, so thanks to those guys, I think we wouldn't have done the first bingo last year, would we? No. Which was our first sort of, you know, dip in, you know, foot in the pond, really. And Alan's done, Alan's done stand-up comedy before and done Pantomime Dame before. I've never done stand-up. I know that I've done, I've done comedy, but I've never done stand-up comedy. So I was, I was dead nervous about doing it. It's a little that. bit easier when you're somebody else, though, doing stand-up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think I can embarrass what you said before. Yeah, it's that, easier to be someone else. Um, I, can't, I couldn't do it as Alan, I don't think. I bet you could. You'd be dead funny. You do it every but week. You, yeah, we do. <laughs> I know, it's mad, isn't it? We've no confidence in ourselves, but we do it all the time. Well, you, um, honestly, you both should have, because like, we rush home to, see, to make sure that we're not late for years. Oh. Yeah, we, so for anyone listening, we host a weekly, or as much, much as we can, every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, we host a live, like, hour-long show from our virtual pub called The Wig and Slingback. Um, and it's just us chatting nonsense about nostalgia and, like, what we watched as kids on telly or what's our favourite TV dinner. And we just... And we we love doing it, don't we? Well, we love it because you guys have become a part of our community. And, uh, you know, before we come online, we see that you've all been chatting with each other, saying hello to each other, talking to... And I know that a lot of people have made friends with each other on Facebook yes, and social media. Um, and it's nice that, you know... It's really nice. It's a really nice community. You know, there's all sorts of people there from all different ages, way of life, political yeah. beliefs, yeah. all of that stuff. But it just, we get there and we just have a laugh together and everyone's really supportive of each other. And I think that's really special, isn't it? Yeah, and a lot of people have been with us for years, haven't they? Years, yeah. years. Uh, we've been doing about two, is it two years now we've been doing this? The live thing. Two, uh, a year and a half? Most, no, over two years, I think. Good fun. Yeah, because I, I, I think it like, you know, yeah, I think in, a, in the, world, the kind of world that we're living in at the moment that is absolutely crazy. It's just so wonderful to have a bit of escape for a while and just to have a gay old time. Yeah, definitely. And we kind of say, you know, no politics, no religion, no football. <laughs> it sometimes sneaks in. But, football? Um, what's, what's that? You know, when you know things are going on in the media and then people start bringing it up, we were like, do you know what? We're not here to talk about Philip Schofield. We're here to talk about Ina Sharples. <laughs> so hush your, hush your bad mouth yeah because we're just there to have fun and we? also people add to our world you know we have comments from people or suggestions or you know people say how about doing this as an idea for your next video and how about doing this for your top five um hmm. you know and you know we, we get inspired by you guys as well who come and come along and um come come along to our little pub on to a our little evening. pub with us and the People should come because we're also joined by the ghost of the late Scylla Black. We are indeed, yeah. Our Scylla. <laughs> so if you're at all intrigued by that, you should come and join us to see what the hell is going on. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, do you have any... any? I mean, if you if you had, like, limitless budget, what, what would you do with the show? Would you keep it as it is or would you take it to TV or around the country as a, a stage show? Oh, I don't know. We'd like. We would love to. Do you know what? We'd love to. We would love to host a radio show. 
Like just it's a Sunday morning, a bit like Elaine Page, <laughs> <laughs> but a little Sunday show. I think it'd be. I think we'd be quite fun on the road. I think that the nice thing about it at the moment is people choose to come to us and stay with us. I think if we were a TV program, I think TV at the moment is like all. It relies on how many viewers there are and whether it's popular and things get axed and things get slagged off and. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm really not sure how we'd be. We'd be. We'd be taken by the. No, we have been approached by a few TV programs. One quite big TV talent show. Okay. We've been approached a few times by them, uh, mentioning no names, but we've turned it down, haven't we? Yeah, because it was the wrong vehicle. They wanted us to come on with a box of wigs, pop a wig on, and do like take the wig oh, off okay. and be something else. And that really isn't us, is it? No, we want to be a bit more slick than that. We would love. To, I mean, yeah, the dream. We'd love to get a TV show, wouldn't we? I'd love to... I've always wanted to do um, a sitcom set in a charity shop way before Charity Sue or whatever she's called. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not quite, I'm not quite taken with the, the charity shop Sue thing, but I can, I can definitely see you, you both doing that. That would be fantastic. And I want... You know, it's run by a, a gay guys, a gay couple, but there's nothing else about their gay life. So that's not... A, that's not part of it do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's yeah. just they're just a gay couple there we are gay's done there's no gay like agenda in it it's just uh the gay you know gay people can just be normal there doesn't have to be some big drama with them yeah. and i think since since lockdown youtube has become a massive massive part of people's lives i mean i watch more youtube than i do normal tv yeah yeah i mean i've i've not watched tv since 2020 it's just youtube i watch now yeah. You know, we love watching other people's vlogs um, on a broad scale. Um, you know, I'd happily sit, spend my evening on on, a, on on YouTube. And, you know, when you sort of go into like a worm wormhole of different things, you yeah. sort of end up being branching off to different things. And that's what I love about it. Favourite types I'm, of vlogs I'm, to watch? Hmm? Favourite types of vlogs to watch? Um, I like things like um, creative vlogs, um, like uh, wigs and makeup. Um, I like um, lifestyle. I, I, I really like um, uh, traveling in Japan. I, I, I like watching vlogs of how people get around in Japan and all the different, you know, the lifestyle of Japan. I like that. You watch like weird vlogs about just old ladies in Japan making noodles, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Kind how, of do you like, how do you find these? I, I really like watching like the, dare I say, obscure. So it's not like, oh, look what I bought today. It's more along the lines of, I've bought this, but here's my weird lifestyle also. Hmm. Yeah. I, I like, I like also, different things. Again, you get suggestions by uh, YouTube as well, don't you? Yeah, it knows what you're watching, so it'll start bringing in up things that it thinks you would like. I watch... What do I watch? I watch lots of, like, rubbish reality TV. I, If I'm travelling, I'll watch things like Survivor, a t- an American TV show about people get that get stranded on a desert island and have to sort of vote each other off the island. And I watch that. I watch the Australian version of that. I'll watch things like a show called The Amazing Race, where people race around the world against each other. So I like reality competitions. That's my sort okay. of guilty pleasure. Um, can't think what my guilty what you two, my guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> we are a lot of people's guilty pleasures, aren't we? We're people's dirty little secret, I think. <laughs> Oh, no, you're not my secret. I mean, I, I, I actually shout to the world that, that you that you both do what you do. Uh, I find you fantastic. Um, do, do you think that 
like your show, it's it's just something that will be featuring just you two, or would you love to get on like a dream guest? We would love to start getting guests on. Do you know what we're we're thinking of doing it? I've just got to work out the technical aspect of it, and if our broadband will support that, because I'm working out how to link up Zoom to the other bit of what we're doing, so we can bring a guest in, but. Our broadband is shocking here in Scarborough. Oh, is it? So we've just got to make sure that... It's, it's still sort of old telegraph poles and wires. Outside the window, yeah. It's like, I think it's we've like, just you know, had like a... Coronation re- Street. <laughs> oh, I love that. Love you know, that. Back, at, back of the houses in Coronation Street. It's like that, isn't it? There is fi- there's fibre down now, so we're hoping we'll get onto fibre. And when that happens, yeah, we'd love to get people on. We'd love to get like just regular people on that we love and we want to chat to, but also we'd love to get like celebs on, wouldn't we? Yeah, any big stars you'd get, love to have on. Can you imagine if we could get Mimi LeBonk from Hello Hello on? Oh, that's Jay's favourite. Uh, she, she'd be great, wouldn't she? I bet she'd be a writer Oh, yeah, because well. she's really good friends with um, Timmy Carrington. Yeah, uh, is it Timmy Alexis Carrington yeah. Ward. Uh, who follows us, and, you know, she's best mates with him, so... We're not that far off. And Biggins. We had a message from Biggins and a message from Sue Pollard. So I think we can get... Oh, did you? We can get some of the greats on. Do you <laughs> know, I think, we, I think we could be able to get a message from Mimi LeBonk. We'd have to... Do you know what? Do you reckon... Well, if we did it, do you reckon it would be more fun if we interviewed them as Sherry and Brandy or if we interviewed them as us? Um, I think it would be better deciding that what would be more fun for you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't know. What do you reckon? I think there's something maybe more watchable about us doing it as Sherry and Brandy. I, I'd, I'd worry that Sherry and Brandy would scare people off. Because <laughs> then I think people... It's like, you remember when Lily Savage... You might not remember, Will, but there, you you know Lily Savage is obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Lily Savage um, used to be on The Big Breakfast, yeah, which was like a TVM kind of show, um, and would interview people on a big double bed. Um, and you had these Hollywood stars who were like, what the hell's this? <laughs> or people who just loved her. But it was really interesting. And I think do, being able to interview in character gives you um, gives you more flexibility. Well, there's an idea in bed with Sherry and Brandy. Yeah. But like Dame Edna. Do you remember the Dame Edna experience? Mm. Or um, Mrs. Merton, even. Oh, yeah. You interview in character, it gives you you can be a bit naughtier. Do you remember yeah, Mrs. I love that line from Mrs. Mrs. Merton. So what? What was what was the the line that she said? What attracted you to the the millionaire Paul Daniels? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a heated debate. <laughs> and then uh, me and Jay we watched lots of old adverts, and I think you sometimes watch those too. And she was in an advert with Craig Cash. Was was he part of the Mrs. Merton thing as well? Yeah, he plays her son Malcolm. Malcolm, that's it. Yeah, all these comedy geniuses have just gone. It's it's there's bizarre. a whole um, there's a whole six part series called Malcolm and Mrs Merton. Is Mrs. there? And Malcolm. It's what one. It's which way the way round. It's beautiful. It's yeah. really it's really formulaic. It's really funny. It's only six episodes. It's got George from George and Mildred in it as their mate that pops around every every day to visit them, and the doctor comes round. But and that's about it. It's. But it's just, it's, it's just a gentle. beautiful show. It's really funny. And there's Mr. Merton, but you never see him. You just see his, like, body in bed. Oh, is that, like, the the like the one character that's referred to off-screen? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's loads of, um, loads of those, aren't there, in sitcoms? Yeah. Yeah, although I can't think of any of them 
right there's now. A, you got Mrs. Colombo. You never see her. Arthur, you never saw Arthur Daly's wife, did you? No. Uh, Margot's mate in The Good Life, the one who runs the Amdram company. You never see her. CJ's wife in... What was CJ in? Reggie Perrin. I don't think you ever see her. And uh, Mrs. Axelby. Yeah. Oh, Mrs. Axelby, her best friend. I wonder what she's like. Yeah, who would play her? Who would play Mrs. Axelby? She's a bit of an an old pisshead, isn't she? Or should I say that? A bit of an old drunk. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder who would play Mrs. Axelby. That's a good question. Out of us two, I think it would be you. No, I I, I think from back then, who would would it be? What is she? What's she like? Well, she would be like Mrs. Slocum's best mate. And they would just like get drunk together, or. And I think there was a line where they said they danced together, so maybe she is slightly butch. I don't know that could what be about suggested. The, um, what about the woman who played um, Yvonne Stuart Harding in Heidi High? Would she play it, or is she oh. too sneaky? Oh, um, the ballroom dancer. Yeah, is she oh, too what sneaky? was her name? I can't remember that actor's name. Yvonne. Yvonne. Yeah, Yvonne, Yvonne Stuart Yvonne, Howard. Yeah. But I can't think Yvonne of Stuart Hargreaves. Yeah. Diane Holland. Diane Holland, yeah. Would she would she be right or is she too old? No, she'd too be snooty, right. Too snooty, too posh. I know, but she'd be, I mean, she was a great actress, so I'm sure she could play a different character. But um, yeah, that's sure all age. Could. We're talking that age. You're better at me than with that age of actress. Queenie Watts would be good if she was... If she was a, oh, yeah, she Queenie Watts would be good. Old cockney knees up. Yeah, so um, as we said before, you've got your your live shows. What's the reaction been like? Have you found it? To uh, your the, live shows, the live shows in person, really good, hasn't it? Yeah, we've always been really nervous beforehand, because um, when you're doing a play, it's somebody else's script. It's usually a director's decision to what you do on stage. But when you do your own stuff, it's you know you've written it yourself, you put it together yourself. And you think, oh, will this go down well? You know, will they laugh? Will they keep? You know, and also when you're doing a live show, it's not just like you're not just pressing. pressing the stop and edit button, you're continuing for, for an hour until there's an interval, and it's just keeping the energy up, isn't it? Yeah, it's... it's. And there's only two of us in it, so um, it's hard work, but so far we seem to have cracked it. You yeah, know. it's been really good, and the audiences, it's really weird, they're not they're not at all what you'd expect, they're hugely diverse, Yeah. and strange, and it's like we've got people there in their sort of 60s and 70s, down to people who are like t- late teenagers, um, just a really weird mix of people. Yeah, the um, last the last show we had, we had a family turn up, all different ages. So we had mum, dad, nana, wife, lovely. and like teenage kids, grown up kids. And the, the the dad came up to me, you know, big big guy with tattoos, and he went, the wife said, oh, we're gonna what go and play some funny bingo. I thought, oh, I'm not doing that. That's going to be stupid. But by hell, I've had a great afternoon, lads. Absolutely wonderful. And he lapped it up. Yeah. And it's when when people say other things like that to you, you think, wow, you know, what we're doing is working. Yeah. And again, at the quiz nights that we do, we again have a really mixed following for those, don't we? It's always just a really interesting, supportive, funny, diverse community, like in the Wigan Slingback. It's, It's just, maybe it's... Maybe I'm saying it. Maybe it's us. Maybe we help people be supportive and diverse and welcoming. I think there's, I think people love this sort of old retro nod back to, you know, old TV. Oh, yes, and our, absolutely. Our humour is very much like that, like seaside humour. And... Yeah. And yeah, and I'm like, glad if, you know, we... 
we could call it drag, I guess, because that's what we are doing. But it's not, there's nothing RuPaul-y about what we do. It's tongue-in-cheek, it's rude, it's naughty, it's like... Yeah, like the kind, of, the kind of drag that you do, that is my ideal drag to watch because it's funny, it's tongue-in-cheek, it's irreverent, it's everything that we like. And also, like, the references and things that you put into, like, your live shows or your, you know, your live streams and your videos... We get them. We get all of them. Mm-hmm. It's it's like, how have I not found you before? Because I think it's only me that knows all of these references and things to bygone eras. It's fantastic. Now there's tons of us out there, aren't there, Will? Now we're finding it. There's a little. We've and got I, our own little tribe. And yeah. I love it that younger generations are enjoying the old days. Yeah. You know, um, and it's nice that that you know all these old comedies are getting appreciated. Because mm. you know? I think. Like right now, like with things in, on the TV and film and things, it's all really like fast paced and there's not really much, how do I describe it? There's not really much love that goes into it. It's more, how can I get the most attention? Yeah, yeah you're than right. focusing on the quality of it. Yeah. And I think a lot of new comedy does start on social media nowadays. So people are doing, you know, their, their own stuff on like YouTube and other platforms. And that's when they're, that's when they're spotted by. Yeah, these companies. Yeah. So it's um, there. There may be some hope for us. There may be. We're we're old. We're old now, aren't we? I think for Nonsense. someone like BBC to grab us, but there's definitely you know there's opportunities out there. Which but the good thing is, I say to Jamie things like, um, we'd never get part the part offered to us as, as like Madonna, or <laughs> Bette Midler. So <laughs> wait, let's do it. Let's do our own version. Bette Lynch <laughs> maybe. Bette Lynch maybe. Yeah. Oh, Bet Lynch, maybe. I was living my best life as Madonna, though, wasn't I, when we recreated the whole Vogue video? Oh, that was, was well a masterpiece. I love that. You can see in our faces, I'm actually a little bit too into it. <laughs> one, one of my favourite things that you do, Jamie, is when, I think it's what you call, was it Corpse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, ju- so, that just gets me every time. Because, <laughs> uh, Alan, you, you got him on, Alan, you really do, because like, he's trying not to laugh. And you're he knows what will make me laugh as well. What we've decided is, when we do the pies, he's never going to know what's in my bag. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like we did we did it um, live, didn't we, the other week? When yeah. There'd been some car boot sale, and he didn't know whatever what Anything I was going to be showing. Yeah. So, do you um, want to describe what you pulled out of the bag that time? Well, I pulled out a small <laughs> cardboard TV with um, Carolee Scott, who plays Grot Bags, <laughs> stuck on the front of it. Um, an ornament. An ornament. Um, a plate with the uh, the little serial killer from Don't Look Now, who <laughs> Pampai thought was a little Victorian girl. And my favourite was a, a picture, a framed picture of wee Jimmy Cranky, <laughs> but styled to look like the, the famous kind of 1970s pictures of crying children. That everyone had in their um, in their front rooms, um, yeah, and I, it makes me chuckle. And we're not talking. Then there was a few little naughty items came out of the bag as well. So away from mics and cameras, the things we often chat via DM. And I asked you both if you could bring a memorable item. So if it's all right, could you describe what your items are? Yeah. Do, do you want me to go first? You can choose to go first. It's fine. Yeah. Mine's, so mine's not a spectacular item to look at, but it means a lot to me. 
Mm-hmm. So what I'm holding now is my... It's called a, a Vantage card. It's got my little photo on it and a barcode. Um, but what this meant was that I was able to, for four years, go out in a helicopter to the oil rigs in the middle of the North Sea off Aberdeen, out, like out towards Norway, wow. um, and work on oil rigs. And um, I started doing that in about 2016, I think. Um, and it was the scariest thing I've ever done. But by doing it, I just learned loads about myself. I learned loads about my preconceptions about people. Um, I learned loads about what I'm capable of. Because I had to do loads of training, like uh, survival training to get this card, where you get put in a, a pretend helicopter, dropped into a swimming pool, spun around in this whilst your hand, you're seat belted in underwater at this point. And then wow. you have to elbow out a window, get out of your seatbelt, and then swim in what direction you think the the surface is, remembering that there's going to be blades going around. So it was like wow. <laughs> action man, Jamie. Um, and I'm so, like, not a fit person. I'm so um, shy around, especially around big groups of kind of heterosexual men. I, I can be very intimidated by them and scared of them. So it was way out of my comfort zone to do this. Um, But I did it and I achieved it. And um, even though I can't go on the helicopters anymore because this has now expired, I still carry it in my wallet so that any time that I think, do you know what, I'm scared, I can't do that, I look at this and go, do you know what, I can do it because I did that and I was a massive success. Oh, I love that. That's incredible. I'm so proud of you. Well done. Thank you. So, yeah, that's that's my item. I love that, that, honestly. Mine's completely different, my item. My item is um, something that is 26, 70, 27 years old. 26 years old. And it's um, a little stuffed toy. Oh. And I was never, when I was a kid, I was never really into stuffed toys. I didn't have a favourite teddy or a favourite doll. And then um, this was Jamie's first present to me. And what I'm holding is a stuffed toy, and it's an orangutan teddy. And she's got a little Velcro hands so she can hang off the curtain rail um and when when i opened the present um i saw her bottom first (laughs) which is a mass of orange fur and i thought it was a wig i said oh you bought me a wig and i pulled it out and um i met and she's called mags and she's from this shop in london that we used to love called neil street east yeah and um Jamie bought me that. It was the first present from him. She's named Mags after um, a, a woman that was in a story in Take a Break magazine who was a really rough, like, <laughs> council estate man who was, like, leading some campaign in uh, a council estate. So she's named after her. Yeah, we were, I was reading that magazine that week when um, Jamie bought me Mags. So she's been with us through thick and thin, all the different houses we've lived in. Um, luckily, Peggy loves her. She's not ripped her to pieces. <laughs> Barney um, would have ripped that to shreds in seconds. And, you know, she's got, as you can see, Will, she's got the sort of quite sleepy look on her face there. Yeah, she looks um, a bit chilled. And when Jamie, when Jamie's away travelling, I've always got Mags to look at. I love that. <laughs> it's That's funny so that I'm a 51-year-old 50, man and I adore my little Teddy Mags. I know, she's really precious to you, isn't she? Yeah, yeah we've, all, we've all got our anchors. 
We had a friend whose um, kid decided to brush Mags's hair and was doing it like, and Ooh. Alan was livid. <laughs> and I had to sort of politely take it off and lock her away. Yeah. Oh, for a Yeah, I can't believe she's only 30 years old. Yeah. That's yeah, so we cute. were thinking this the other day. In three years, three years' time, we'll have been married for 20 years and we'll have been together for 30 years. Wow. Uh, with me and Jay, it's married for. Is it four years? Four, four years in September and together. Eight years in February. And I once read that gay years are like dog years, so you can times yeah. that by seven. <laughs> <laughs> so how, so how long is that for you then? 140. <laughs> something, 210 years. <laughs> um, my final question for you both is, what does life at your own will mean for each of you? For me, it's about, and I've learned this since lockdown, it's about take like I go back to the acting thing it's about taking off the mask and being able to be authentically me in front of people and choosing to be the best version of me in front of people and that might mean that sometimes I have to leave a little bit of me behind because it's about being the best version of me for that person in that situation um, what they need but it's about just taking off the mask for me Lovely. Mine is, you've got to in, enjoy your life. You've got to enjoy all the things you like doing. Um, and if you can't, if you, if you like, can't afford to go on holiday, sit down and watch a video on YouTube. You know, go on a, on a little walking tour of a uh, Greek island. Or, you know, or if you like painting, just paint. If you've got just some crayons, just paint with crayons if you don't have paints. It's just sort of keeping your creativity going. And, you know, just continue doing the things you like doing. Rather, because I find that a lot of people, after they leave school, they stop drawing, they stop painting, they stop making things, um, you know, because real life gets in the way. But I think, you know, hark back to when you were younger and what made you happy then. Do them things now. I think a lot of people sleepwalk through life. And we realised a few years ago, we were starting to sleepwalk through life. Yeah. We were going to the, you know, go to the train station, same time every day, stand at the same place on that train platform because you know the doors are going to be there. Sit in the same seat, at the same... That's sleepwalking through life. We were yeah. like, right, let's shake this up a bit. Let's, do, let's challenge ourselves. Let's do things that are uncomfortable. And, and, it, um, and if you don't like the way you live, you can move. If you don't, yeah. like the, don't like the job you're doing, you can change it. Mm -hmm. um, life always works out, you know. The world's not going to end just because you decide, you know, to leave leave your work or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah we've we've learned a lot through that, haven't we? It's like Jurassic Park, he says in Jurassic Park, he says something like, "Life will find a way," and I think it will. You you know, we moved to a whole new town, didn't know anyone, didn't know Scarborough, and life found a way, and suddenly we're wearing wigs every week and living a, our best drag life. And yeah, absolutely. To be honest with you, I I love drag since a young age. And I thought, oh, I'd love to be a drag queen. <laughs> and living in London, it didn't happen. Living in Kent, it didn't happen. But for some reason, here in Yorkshire, it happened. Mm -hmm. That's, so that's what I always say. If, if, if something isn't working out for you, change it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good. Alan, Jamie, this has been such a treat for me. Thank you for giving up some of your time for this podcast interview. What have you got coming up next on your, in your showbiz lives? Well, next week we've got um, our third, is it third and fourth quiz? I think fourth, maybe fourth live quiz in Scarborough. 
Um, it's Brandy Cobbler's birthday party as well, so we might play Pass the Parcel. Um, <laughs> so that's coming up next week. We're still going to be putting out videos as often as possible. They tend to come out on Sunday nights. And the weekly drop-in Wig and Slingback Pub opens its doors most Wednesday nights at 8pm on YouTube and Facebook. And in the next bingo show we're doing, um, one of my characters, Divinity, is going to be live for the first time. Wonderful. So she's never been seen in public. And she's going to be joined by another psychic called... Molly Morton. So we're putting that together as well at the moment. So that's our Halloween spooktacular. And we're calling it, I think we're calling it, Witch Please. <laughs> and um, where can people find you? Uh, we are on YouTube, um, youtube.com, The Isolation Creations. Facebook, The Isolation Creations. Instagram, The Isolation Creations. And Twitter, at Create Isolate, because Twitter's annoying. <laughs> yeah. But if you Google The Isolation Creations, we'll pop up on whatever you're using. Sure, and of course we'll have all of those links in the show notes so everyone can see you and enjoy everything that you create. Oh, Will, thank you for everything you do and for all your support as well because... Yeah. Um, we're often reaching out to you to ask how to put eyeliner on or how we can build a big wig and things like that. And honestly, we do. And Will sent us a moustache, which is yet to find its way into a video, but I think is coming up in uh, the next Oh, I can't wait to see that. Video. Yeah, honestly, I'm only too happy to help uh, if it means that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. Oh, bless uh, you. So thank you for this interview. Oh, you're welcome. Aren't they just fabulous? And like we said, you can find all of their links to their YouTube channels, their Facebook pages, Instagram, everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to Life at Your Own World podcast. We would love it if you could join us if you're new. All you need to do is click follow or subscribe, depending on which platform you're on. Do leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. And yeah, whatever you're doing with the rest of your week, we hope it's a fantastic one. Take care of yourselves. Bye. (laughs) 